On the second Monday of most months, Denver City Council celebrates and aids in the implementation of Imagine 2020, Denver's cultural plan, by featuring a poet, musician, or performer at the beginning of the council meeting. Built on seven vision elements, Imagine 2020 sets forward several strategic goals, including integrating arts into daily life, making the arts more accessible, and ensuring that Denver creatives thrive. We encourage all of Denver to do its part to implement Imagine 2020. Visit uh, ImagineDenver2020.org for more information. This month's presentation is from City Council District 6. The Imagine 2020 City Council District Challenge provides City Council members with $2,020, 2020, to infuse art and culture into their neighborhoods. Councilman Paul Cashman's district met the challenge by sponsoring a poetry slam at South High School, Go Rebels. The slam competition took place on February 20th, 2019. Cash scholarships were awarded to the first, second, and third place winners. The theme of the slam was We Are Denver. Tonight, we have the winners of the District 6 Poetry Slam uh, in the house, and they'll be presenting their poems to you. Uh, placing third in the slam was high school senior Corey Sapienza. Corey lives in Council District 4. Second place was awarded to high school senior Isabel Krieger and first place winner is high school freshman Sarah Wexler. Both Isabel and Sarah live in Lucky District 7. So if you would please welcome Corey, Isabel and Sarah up to share their pieces. I'm Corey Sapienza, and this poem is called Mutant and Proud. <laughs> I love X-Men. I watched the movies with my parents when I was in middle school and promptly became obsessed with the idea that people could be born with superpowers, superpowers that stemmed from something as shameful as a mutation. I fantasized about the idea that there could be something boiling inside me, a hidden gift that had yet to show itself, something like being able to shoot glass out of my fingertips or hold my breath underwater for hours at a time, but this poem is not about X-Men. I love X-Men, so I fell into teenhood with my wrapped around Hugh Jackman's little finger. I began to feel torn between wanting his muscles to be against my body and wanting his muscles to be my body. There were days that I wished vibranium claws would slide between my knuckles, not to defend myself against others, but to defend myself against my own anatomy. I had not yet given up on the idea that my mutation was hiding just below the surface, but this poem is not about X-Men. I love X-Men, but most of my friends didn't know that. I didn't want to explain why I felt like Lee and Kirby could somehow see into my soul. I internalized my self-hatred and closed myself off. I pretended that my mutant power was making myself disappear. I got a glimpse of the world of Eric Lyncher and realized the hatred that someone can harbor against the universe. My, muta my mutation seemed nothing more than a depression-induced fantasy. But this poem is not about X-Men. I was 14 when I learned what was wrong with me. A conflict between one's physical or assigned gender and the gender with which they identify. And I thought, well, that's a rather weak way of putting it. Let me rephrase. A complete separation of powers, one presiding over the mind and one over the body, and monarchies, neither impartial, mutiny is not an option. Believe me, I tried. But every time I can't convince myself to get out of bed, I try to think of my double X chromosomes as a gift, that my natural ability or talent is having the best of both worlds. I can switch between the genders at will, a flickering fluctuation in the system, a chameleon of pink and blue and purple and green and white and gray and red, because maybe this poem is about X-Men, and maybe I am a mutant. 
because I was born with an unacceptable body like Raven. I can tell when others are made the way I am, like Charles, and just like Alex and Hank and Scott, once I learned to control what I have, it became the most central part of who I am. And maybe I'm not the traditional comic book definition of a hero, but being able to go an hour without binding my chest is something I am proud of. And that's all that matters to me. I choose my gift over the curses it brings. I am done pretending I don't exist. I'm here. This is my body. This is my mind. I'm not going anywhere. Mutant and proud. Thank you. My name is Isabel Krieger. Uh, this poem does not have a name. <laughs> I feel nervous in a way that can't be named. I dreamt last night of a sign that read the end of love. And I remember thinking, even in my dreaming, it was a good line for a song. Dear friend, do you remember the smell of vinegary crab apples that would accumulate in the summer when the sun was at its angriest? I would walk outside with a wet washcloth over my mouth and a blowtorch in hand. My senses were always overwhelmed. Dear friend, did you ever memorize the curves of the mountains like your favorite story, imagining that you were somewhere better than this? Wanting to feel the pine needles tickle your ankles and breathe in the smells most unfamiliar to city folk? I always thought that if maybe, just maybe, I became one with the earth, I would be able to find peace. Dear friend, the crabapple tree sat in a sacred section of the backyard near the giant evergreen with the squirrels nesting in its coolness. There was a wooden playground sat in between them. I would always get splinters deep in my skin, cutting away at my flesh. Dear friend, I would climb that playground just to spend time with you. We would smell the crab apples together, wondering if they would ripen with time, like paper-thin memories. I wish those weren't so bitter. Dear friend, there once was a time we would sit and picnic and laugh for hours. I often wonder what happened to those happy days. For do we all age with such a great sadness, or is there a tenderness to the unknown? Dear friend, do you remember the songs we would sing together, each breath and break in harmony as we were all learning to breathe? I often wonder where I learned to carry a tune. Maybe it was from my mother, or maybe it was from you. Dear friend, if I ever find the home, the first thing I will do is thank the earth it grows on, for that is the only constant in this world I have identified. The earth reminds me sometimes that I am not alone in my anxieties, that I cannot falter as long as I thank the earth that I grow under. Dear friend, there was once a time when I felt comfortable calling you that, but your jealousy got the better of you. Everyone tells me that I have yet to experience true heartbreak, but I always thought of you as my first love. Dear friend, do you remember how we would lie in the grass and feel each and every pulse of the earth? How we would melt away and feel every beating of our hearts as one with the dirt? It is in moments like these that I think I used to think that, something, that breathing was something you grew into, like new shoes or childhood memories. Dear sister, how can I write a melody when 
metaphor is only half the meaning. Dear friend, I was always on the edge of the water, feeling its coolness trickle against my skin. Beads of it formed in the wrinkled valleys of my palms, and I would wonder what it would be like to die. I used to think it would make it easier to breathe when the tide takes me, but my mind deceived me. For there is little joy to be found in the sea for someone who is meant to breathe with the trees. Dear friend, I want you to put me in the water until I turn crimson and gold. Only in death will I find what it means to be alive. Dear friend, don't you see I'm already drowning? Thank you. My name is Sarah Wexler, and this poem is called Numbers. Numbers. Numbers spin like looping ribbon in my mind. They are stamped on telephone poles by my house. They are whispered in between couples as bills pile up. They are scrawled on the backs of middle schoolers' hands at movie theaters. They are pounded into first graders' minds until they spill out of their mouths like milk. Some girls count on the number until they will be happy with the digits they see on their bathroom scales. Some boys count up, stacking weight after weight until sweat creases their brow and they're happy with the muscles they see in the mirror. Some kids count the number of hours they will study to get the number they will need to love themselves on a test they will forget about in a number of years. Numbers. I count the number of pages I've read, the miles of cement I've run, the hours of sleep I've gotten, trying to make sense of a senseless <laughs> world. Agencies and foundations count the number of people who will worry about how many mouths they have to feed that night. The news counts how many people were killed in the shooting last time. The world counts how many babies are born compared to how many people will die compared to how many of them will be happy. Numbers. My phone buzzes with likes and comments that I wish didn't make my stomach jump up out of itself. Friends take a number of photos until they think they look their best, even though their eyes are just too blurry to see that they look the same. Parents take pictures of their children and post them on Facebook as though to show that their number of smiles means they are actually happy. The world scrolls through social media, counting the number of hearts they receive as though they are real, red, and beating with life. Numbers. We let ourselves be rated. Angry customers give two stars on Yelp until the grad student can't survive anymore and must close up shop. Boys and girls trade numbers back and forth until a six out of ten really isn't that bad because at least they notice you. Numbers. They drift through our windows, becoming the oxygen we can't survive without. They meddle into our conversations until we all know the number of times that girl's had sex. They rise like heat along with the Earth's temperature. I count up my wins and hold back tears when I lose. I calculate percentages that won't matter. I list off the number of things I did that day as though to show I'm living. 
numbers. They became the definitions we needed to survive in a world that refused to be understandable. They allowed us to decide what had value and what could be tossed aside. But a number will not make you happy. No matter how many pounds you lose, how many people follow you on Instagram, how many points you get on a math test, you cannot be described in a number. A 10 out of 10 does not mean you are happy. It just means you have let digits define whether you are enough. Numbers. Numbers are easy. Adding when we like ourselves that day, subtracting when we cry out in pain, we multiply by two and divide by 10 until we see 100 in the distance. But by the time you reach 100, your calculator is out of batteries. Your calculator is out of batteries. Your calculator is out of batteries. Thank you. Wow, that was really incredible. Thank you all for coming and sharing that with us. Councilman Cashman, did you want to add anything since this was your district challenge? Well, yes. I, j I just wanted to say I couldn't be more proud, more honored, um, uh, more inspired uh, to represent uh, these uh, uh, fine young folks as well as their, their schoolmates who also participated in, in our, uh, our event. Uh, it makes me extremely hopeful uh, for our future that uh, uh, they're out there uh, in, in their varied ways preparing to take their role in the community. I would just add, and you help me with the nights, um, Isabel and Corey will be performing this weekend at South High and Joseph in the Technical Color Dreamcoat. What nights is that? It's Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at 6. Thursday, Friday, Saturday at 6. It's a free performance at Denver South High School, 1700 East Louisiana. And if I might quote President Clark, go Rebels. Thank you very Rebel. much. What a way to kick off our meeting.